Chapter two, Guilty Until Proven Innocent, Who Will Hear My Tears, Volume One, A Series. If you don't know my struggles. It was in August and I did not want to allow my children to grow up in Santiago any longer. Plus my ex-husband, Carlos, was the main reason my life was becoming a miserable state of existence. I just want to be left alone. Carlos was always trying to make good on his promises to torment me. So you see, one day Carlos entered my house through an unlocked front door while I was sleeping in an upstairs bedroom in an attempt to sexually assault me. I awoke to a hand pulling down my pants. As I opened my eyes in fear, I recognized whose hand it was, and I began screaming and pushing away as I set up off the bed, and he kept trying to push me back down on the bed, and eventually he tackled me flat. He was lying his full body on mine as his hands were groping between my pants and moving down to my private parts. I'm screaming, stop, stop, stop. It seems like time was passing in slow motion as I struggled to get away from him. Suddenly, I see a familiar hat fall past Carlos' head and land next to mine, then landing on the bed beside me. It belonged to my boyfriend, Alex. Alex had heard me screaming as he came into the house and running up the stairs, he spotted Carlos. He saw that Carlos was trying to do to what Carlos was trying to do to me and saw me trying to fight back. He grabbed Carlos by the back of his shirt, snatching Carlos off of me. They began fighting each other, wrestling, fists flying, each trying to overpower the other. Carlos pulled away from Alex and ran downstairs. As both are now downstairs, the fighting starts again. No words, just fighting. The kids come home from school. They see and hear the fighting and they begin to scream, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing to my daddy? They are scared because they recognize their father is fighting with my boyfriend. I was crying as I hurried down the stairs and, and I tried to gather them into another room, trying unsuccessfully to soothe them. All they see is a man fighting their daddy. They are, after all, Carlos's kids. How can I explain this to them? They are too young for me to tell them about Carlos continuing to harass me. They did not know about the violent history of our marriage. I always tried to shield them from the abuse that I suffered. Alex releases the bear hug type struggle from Carlos and pushes him backwards. Then Alex bolts out of the house, outside to his car to retrieve a gun from the glove compartment. At this point, since I had screamed for so long, my voice was only a bare whistle and I can only whisper. I was so afraid of the events spiraling out of control. Alex is searching and searching in the glove compartment of his car for his gun. Quickly, 
Carlos took this opportunity to run to his car and drive away. I can only thank God that the gun was not in the glove compartment of the car. We remembered later that it had been pawned the day before. But you know, that was the last straw. I was determined to leave San Diego permanently this time. Someone was going to inevitably get killed for the reason, for that reason alone, I left San Diego only to be returning here again in less than a year, all too soon. When I say again, I'm referring to the time in 1971, the first escape from Carlos' wrath. That was an escape from marriage, a separation leading to a divorce. You see, I moved to Corsica County, a survivor of six years of physical and verbal abuse and adultery. I believe this divorce of my marriage would be a new encounter self-proclaiming, long-awaited liberty for my body, mind, and spirit. Oh, how naive can I be, huh? Victimized by my own lack in judgment, but just not knowing where else to go. I moved back to Santiago a year after divorce was final. Let me explain to you briefly. Corsica County became increasingly too nerve-wracking for raising children. I was on the edge of uneasiness all the time, and Carlos Jr. narrowly missed getting hit by a car. Constantly hearing gunshots throughout the night and seeing the torn down buildings and or vacancies and shambles along Madison Road where I lived. Alcoholics and drug addicts hanging around the streets and in the doorways caused me such anguish and also fear for me and the children. There were absolutely no way I could allow my children to play outside comfortably and safely. Beautiful sights were not seen in this surrounding neighborhood. All I saw was poverty and impoverished people, the signs of hopelessness, no hope. How could I have thought that Corsica County could have changed from my childhood? I must have been delusional or just desperate. I was depressed, moody, and lacked a sense of purpose. It seems as if every other house had a loud party in progress continuously on weekdays and weekends. And to top it off, I was living in a two-story house with a full basement to which lived also my mother, two sisters and two brothers, my brother's wives and their kids. Another dead end situation. Let me explain it to you. An older brother, Jerome Jr. was living in the basement with his wife and three children. I occupied an upstairs room with my three children, Carlene, Carlos and Jr. and Priscilla. The first floor and the two bedroom upstairs were lived in by my mother and two younger sisters, Paris and Italia, and my younger brother, Enrique. The problems occurred with not having privacy or respect from the others. 
mother could not or would not enforce appropriate behavior from my younger brother in respect to food and personal property. I experienced so many instances of commuting for an hour, coming home from a long day of work to find myself with no food, although I had shopped for my own groceries. I had nothing to eat or having any or having any of my personal property missing out of my room constantly. I went to bed hungry many nights. My mother's response was always, you know how Enrique is. Enrique, did you eat Kyoto's food? Knowing full well, he would answer, no. Then he would start talking fast and saying nothing. He was a master trying to make you feel as if you were wrong for accusing him. Enrique was always walking around like he dared anyone to say anything to him. Because he would argue at a drop of a hat. He was self-righteous. He was. Without any attempt at correcting this wrong or even making amends. I would cry myself to sleep at times never feeling as if I had the right to complain or any authority to protect my personal environment. I started to withdraw further within myself, if that was even possible. I cry, but silently. No one cares. The agreement that was entered with us living together had been breached. The agreement was that the rent and utilities were to be divided by three and each family unit supplied their own groceries. But you know, it didn't matter. I was given the least amount of living space to live. It was heart aching, a familiar ache of being and feeling unloved that I had carried most of my life. So I left, moved out, quit my job, and back to San Diego I go. I did not know what else to do. Who could I ask for advice? My life was a relentless maze of circles. And as the saying goes, I was going nowhere fast. Searching and searching again for my promised land, searching for self-worth, some peace, a little bit of prosperity, but it just kept escaping me, just beyond my reach. Always seemed to be beyond my grasp. But you know, could it be possible that I did not know what self-worth was or peace or even prosperity meant? I had no bootstraps to pull up on. So now I'm back to living in San Diego. Anyway, major difficulties and showdowns initiated by Carlos Sr. kept getting worse. So I decided to now relocate completely out of the state to California from San Diego. There seemed to be no end in sight from Carlos Sr. and he was delusional about me. Although he was remarried and had girlfriends and was fathering other children, Yes, he was fixated on me. I believe, though, that it was his ego 
He did not want me to achieve any form of a successful life or happiness without him. And he seems to be succeeding. So you see, I traveled all the way to California. And to paint a brief picture, Carlos Sr. drove to California after tracking my whereabouts and the kids' school and proceeded to kidnap them as they walked the half block to school. You see, all day, I thought my kids were in school. As school ended, I waited on the porch for them as usual, looking down the street, seeing all the other kids and parents walking and talking by. And I started panicking, where were my kids? I called out to them, Carlene, have y'all seen Carlene? Priscilla, Carlos Jr. I'm starting to panic. I run to the school. The teachers tell me that they never arrived. You see, the school did not even take the time to tell me that they had never arrived that morning. Hadn't been in school all day. Tears welled up in my eyes. The fear. I had forced from my mind every day, being afraid that Carlos would find us. And what would he do if he did? Well, now I know, even though I did not give Carlos Sr. my address, I had only been in California for three months. I can't even hide from him successfully. I was in a panic. What to do? What to, what, what to do? I don't know what to do. It had been seven hours since he had taken them. What do I do? I called the police and they said that since I didn't have a custody order saying he could not get the kids, this was my problem. As always, no help. After two hours or so, Carlos called. I knew it. Even before it was concerned, confirmed by the phone call, I knew he had crossed the state line of Arizona so he felt safe. So he got the number from Carlene and proceeded to tell me over the phone, you want to see the kids? Then come back to Santiago. He hangs up. That's all he said. He had concluded that if he took the kids, I would be forced to return to San Diego. And you know what? He was right yet again. All that evening, I searched and searched and asking people for help. And what should I do? What should I do? And I, I got in touch with some relatives who had worked on the railroad train line. And they knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody. By the next morning, they had gotten back to me because the people they knew said that if I hurried early before the train left, that they would sneak me on. They were willing to help me, me and my child, Cornell. I had no money. 
but I had to get to my kids by any means necessary. I knew God was looking out for me because only God could have touched these strangers' heart to help me. As old folks would say, they don't know me from Adam. So I hitchhiked on a train all the way back to Santiago. It took two days. I was hiding in the porter's car. Some people amongst the porters and, and workers on the train were sympathetic to my plight and they fed me. Carlos slept in a bunk, but I was too nervous to sleep. The porters on the train collected money and gave it to me. And I was so grateful for all their help, strangers. I knew it was God not wanting me to lose hope. Finally, after arriving in San Diego, I took a cab and immediately taking Cornell to his paternal grandfather's house. Now I must go find my other kids. I walked the 15 blocks to Carlos' house. By now it was dark when I arrived at his house. I'm looking for my children. I'm knocking on the door, knocking on the door. I could hear his wife screaming through the door, leave us alone, leave Carlos alone. As she looked out the window, she had heard me calling Carlos. She proceeded to open the door just briefly enough to stick her head out. I'm steady pounding. Carlos, Carlos, where's my kids? You wanted me here? Well, open the door. She opens the door wider. And while standing there with only her hair sticking out, she's talking. All she does is talk. This lady will always try to fight me with her words. Can you imagine that? I consider her reaction and mannerisms toward me totally crazy and delusional. So I replied to her matter-of-factly and as calm as I could under circumstances. You know, I was not a cussing, cursing type of girl. I never felt the need to curse. So I proceeded to tell her as briefly as I could, in calm as I could. I moved to California and you helped him kidnap the kids to bring me back here. You need to reconsider your stand and start influencing him to stay away from me. All she could do was stutter, not saying anything in response. I briefly felt pity for her. Yes, pity. It puzzled me when I think about it now, but as a woman, for a brief second, I felt sorry for her. Her behavior was so misguided and delusionally she was in love with Carlos Sr. A manifestation of brainwashing strategies mixed with abusive persuasion by Carlos Sr. You know, perhaps subconsciously she was agitated with me because she knew what I said was true. She could not control him. Not even her presence in his life, nor her love. She was just another pawn. All right, that's enough with the sympathy. She got what she paid for, mainly because she was sneaking around 
dating Carlos Sr., who was her then boyfriend's best friend, while Carlos Sr. was married to me. So how could she expect him to treat her differently? Go figure that. So I continued to talk to her, trying not to yell. If I wanted him, I would have stayed married to him. I repeatedly said that to her on more than one occasion. But she seemed to just ignore my comments and trust whatever Carlos Sr. told her. However, the kids were not there, so I left. I kept returning every day for a week. No kids, no Carlos. I had to have somewhere to stay temporarily until I could get my kids and go back to California, where I did have my own permanent housing. So there was a house, my mother's house in Highland Hill to stay until I could get my kids. And then I could return to California. So after filing a petition, I heard back from the courthouse. It took about three weeks after the petition was filed. Carlos and I have a court date in family court to settle the custody issue. In the meantime, he has possession of them. By now, it's been six months and my heart is breaking. I try to calm the kids when I speak to them over the phone, for I still had not seen them. I don't want them to feel my fear. I must be strong for them. Keep reassuring them that it will soon be over and we will be together again. All we had was hope.